Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also on that drop-down or on that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the lesson for the day as well as the daily text reading. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 25, The Remedy, with Section 6, The State of Sinlessness, and Section 7, The Special Function. We're also mindful of our lesson today. So perfect. Hand in glove with the reading is Lesson 270. I will not use the body's eyes today. And I have just the most excellent, excellent opening I was gifted with this morning. I think it's called Let's Become Rain. It's a poem from John Rodell. goes um, a little bit long, but if you settle into it, it feels pretty good. Hate has become a wildfire, and we can't keep fighting it with lightning. What we need now is to transform our lives into dripping cloudbursts. We can extinguish this growing blaze by giving our rainwater hearts to this thirsty world. We didn't come here to the wormhole of miracle to take turns burning each other at the stake. We rode the breath of eternity to be witnesses to wonder, not to pour gasoline on each other while dancing with matchsticks between our teeth. <laughs> we don't heal division with more division, my love. Now that I've breathed over half my breath I'm never going to take, I think I've finally learned a very simple truth. There are no sides. There is only a great circle that we seem to have fractured into thousands of little lines in the sand. There are no straight edges on a globe. There is only a gentle band of creation which connects me to you and you to me. We don't survive these roller coaster times by joining teams. We survive with community. Let's remember that we all come from the same source of light. And someday, when our journey comes to an end and we all meet up in the lobby of First Light, I hope the only topic we have to talk about is how we learn to forgive each other before slipping out of our skin. My love, I know I sound naive, but the hour is growing late. The wildfire is outside our village. The smoke of division is in the air. Let's become rain for one another before we lose the garden. Let's grow a harvest of ears to listen to each other with. Let's turn our words into a downpouring of understanding. Let's become rain. 
I will not use the body size today. Amen. Oh, Lori, thank you so much. Thank you, sweetie. Oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Wonderful, Lori. Thank you. Crushing it, Lori. Amazing. Beautiful poem. Beautiful poem. I so love reading it today. Okay, here we go. Our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Jennifer, Karen, Harrison, Lana, and Jessica. We're joined in listening today by whom, I may ask? Jude's a latecomer, still slipping into her skin. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> okay. All righty. So, why aren't we privileged to have this work to share every morning? So here we go. Um, in Chapter 25, The Remedy, Section 6, The State of Sinlessness. Beginning today in Paragraph 37. The state of sinlessness is merely this. The whole desire to attack is gone. And so there is no reason to perceive the Son of God as other than he is. The need for guilt is gone because it has no purpose and is meaningless without the call of sin. Attack and sin are bound as one illusion, each the cause and aim and justifier of the other. Each is meaningless alone, but seems to draw a meaning from the other. Each depends upon the other for whatever sense it seems to have, and no one could believe in one unless the other were the truth, for each attempts the other must be true. Uh, Lemoyne. Chapter 25, The Remedy, Section 6, The State of Sinlessness. The state of sinlessness is merely this. The whole desire to attack is gone. And so there is no reason to perceive the Son of God as other than he is. The need for guilt is gone because it has no purpose and is meaningless without the goal of sin. Attack and sin are bound as one illusion each the cause and aim and justifier of the other. Each is meaningless alone, but seems to draw meaning from the other. Each depends on the other for whatever sense it seems to have. And no one could believe in one unless the other were the truth, for each attests the other must be true. Attack makes Christ your enemy and God along with him. Must you not be afraid with seeming enemies like these? And must you, and must you not be fearful of yourself? For you have hurt yourself and made yourself your quote-unquote enemy. And now you must believe you are not you, but something alien to yourself and 
quote, something else. A quote, something to be feared instead of loved. Who would attack whatever he perceives as total, as wholly innocent? Read that again. Who would attack whatever he perceives as wholly innocent? And who, because he wishes to attack, can fail to think it must be guilty to deserve the wish and leave him innocent? And who would see the Son of God as innocent and wish him dead? Christ stands before you both each time you look on one another. He has not gone because your eyes are closed. But what is there to see by searching for your Savior, seeing him through sightless eyes? Thank you, Lemoyne. Fran. 38. Attack makes Christ your enemy and God along with him. Must you not be afraid with quote-unquote enemies like these? And must you not be fearful of yourself? For you have hurt yourself and made your true self your quote-unquote enemy. And now you must believe you are not you, but something alien to yourself and, quote, something else, unquote. A, quote, unquote, something to be feared instead of love. Who would attack whatever he perceives as wholly innocent? And who, because he wishes to attack, <clears throat> excuse me, can fail to think it must be guilty to deserve the wish and leave him innocent? And who would see the Son of God as innocent and wish him dead? Christ stands before you both each time you look on one another. He has not gone because your eyes are closed. But what is there to see by searching for your Savior, seeing him through sightless eyes? 39. <clears throat> it is not Christ you see by looking thus. It is the quote-unquote enemy, confused with Christ, you look upon. And hate, because there is no sin in him for you to see. Nor do you hear his plaintive call, unchanged in content in whatever form the call is made, that you unite with him and join with him in innocence and peace. And yet beneath the ego's senseless shrieks, such is the call that God has given him, that you might hear in him his call to you and answer by returning unto God what is his own. Thank you, Fran and Jennifer. Okay. 39. It is not Christ you see by looking thus. It is the enemy confused with Christ you look upon and hate because there is no sin in him for you to see. Nor do you hear his plaintive call unchanged in content in whatever form the call is made, that you unite with him and join with him in innocence and peace. And yet beneath the ego's senseless shrieks, such is the call that God has given him, that you might hear in him his call to you 
and answer by returning unto God what is his own. 40. The Son of God asks only with you that you return to him what is his due that you may share in it with him. Alone does neither have it. So must it remain useless to both. Together, it will give to each an equal strength to save the other and save himself along with him. Forgiven by you, the Savior offers you salvation. Condemned by you, he offers death to you. And everyone you see but the reflection of what you chose to have him be you. If he decide against his proper function, the only one he has in truth, you are depriving him of all the joy he would have found if he fulfilled the role God gave to him. But think not, heaven is lost to him alone. Nor can it be regained unless, unless the way is shown to him through you that you may find it walking by his side. Thank you, Jennifer um, and Karen. 40. The Son of God asks only this of you, that you return to him what is his due that you may share in it with him. Alone does neither have it, so must it remain useless to both. Together it will give to each an equal strength to save the other and save himself along with him. Forgiven by you, your Savior offers you salvation. Condemned by you, he offers death to you. In everyone you see but the reflection of what you choose to have him be to you. If you decide against his proper function, the only one he has in truth, you are depriving him of all the joy he would have found if he fulfilled the role God gave to him. But think not heaven is lost to him alone, nor can it be regained unless the way is shown to him through you, that you may find it walking by his side. 41. It is no sacrifice that he be saved, for by his freedom you will gain your own. To let his function be fulfilled is but the means to let yours be. And so you walk toward heaven or toward hell but not alone. How beautiful his sinlessness will be when you perceive it. And how great will be your joy when he is free to offer you the gift of sight God gave to him for you. He has no need but this, that you allow him freedom to complete the task God gave to him. Remembering but this, that what he does, you do along with him. 
And as you see him, so do you define the functions he will have for you. Until you see him differently and let him be what God appointed that he be to you. Thank you, Karen. Harrison. 41. It is no sacrifice that he be saved. For by his freedom would you gain your own. To let his function be fulfilled is but the means to let yours be. And so you walk toward heaven or toward hell, but not alone. How beautiful his sinlessness will be when you perceive it. And how great will be your joy when he is free to offer you the gift of sight God gave to him for you. He has no need but this, that you allow him freedom to complete the task God gave to him. Remembering that this, that what he does, you do along with him. And as you see him, so do you define the function he will have for you until you see him differently and let him be what God appointed that he be to you. 42. Against the hatred that the Son of God may cherish toward himself, is God believed to be without the power to save what he created from the pain of hell. But in the love he shows himself is God made free to let his will be done. And each of you, you see the picture of your belief in what the will of God must be for you. In your forgiveness, Will you understand his love for you through your attack believes he hates you? <clears throat> Thinking heaven must be hell. Look once again upon your brother, not without the understanding that he is the way to heaven or to hell as you perceive him. But forget not this. The road we give to him is given you, and you will walk the way you appointed, you 
pointing out to him because it is your judgment on yourself. Thank you, Harrison. Um, and Lana, if you'd like to do 42 and then roll right into 43, please. Okay. Uh, 42. Against the hatred that the Son of God may cherish toward himself is God believed to be without the power to save what he created from the pain of hell. But in the love he shows himself is God made free to let his will be done. In each of you, you see the picture of your own belief in what the will of God must be for you. In your forgiveness, will you understand his love for you? Through your attack, believe he hates you, thinking heaven must be hell. Look once again upon your brother, not without the understanding that he is the way to heaven or to hell as you perceive him. But forget not this. The role you give to him is giving you, and you will walk the way you pointed out to him because it is your judgment on yourself. Okay, rolling right into chapter 25, The Remedy, section 7, The Special Function, 43. The grace of God rests gently on forgiving eyes, and everything they look on speaks of him to the beholder. He can see no evil, nothing in the world to fear, and no one who is different from himself. And as he loves them, so he looks upon himself with love and gentleness. He would no more condemn himself for his mistakes than damn another. He is not an arbiter of vengeance nor a punisher of sin. The kindness of his sight rests on himself with all the tenderness it offers others. For he would only heal and only bless. And being in accord with what God's, God wills, he has the power to heal and bless all those he looks upon, he looks on with the grace of God upon his sight. Thank you, Lana. Uh, Jessica. Okay, 43. The grace of God rests gently on forgiving eyes, and everything they look on of him to the beholder. He can see no evil, nothing in the world to fear, and no one who is different from himself. And as he loves them, so he looks upon himself and gentleness. 
He would no more condemn himself for his mistakes than damn another. He is not an arbiter of vengeance, nor a punisher of sin. The kindness of his sight on himself with all the tenderness it offers others. For he would only heal and only bless. And being in accord with what God wills, he has the power to heal and bless all those he looks on with the grace of God at the sight. 44. Eyes become used to darkness, and the light of brilliant day seems painful to the eyes grown long accustomed to the dim effects perceived at twilight. And they turn away from sunlight and the clarity it brings. Oh, and they turn away from sunlight and the clarity it brings to what they look upon. Dimness seems better, easier to see and better recognized. Somehow, the vague and more obscure seems easier to look upon, less painful to the eyes than what is wholly clear and unambiguous. Yet this is not what eyes are for. And who can say what he prefers, that he prefers the darkness and maintain he wants to see? The wish to see calls down the grace of God upon your eyes and brings the gift of light that makes sight possible. I think you're on mute, Lori. I am. <laughs> One of those tap twice days. Uh, thank you, Jessica. And with a brand new reader for 44 and 45, this is Sandra. I can read. Yeah, Thanks. I can do. I'll call Judy then next. Thanks. Thanks. 44. Eyes become used to darkness, and the light of brilliant day seems painful to the eyes grown long accustomed to the dim effects perceived at twilight. And they turn away from sunlight and the clarity it brings to what they look upon. Dimness seems better, easier to see, and better recognized. Somehow the vague and more obscure seems easier to look upon, less painful to eyes than what is wholly clear and unambiguous. Yet this is not what eyes are for. And who can say that he prefers the darkness and maintain he wants to see? The wish to see calls down the grace of God upon your eyes and brings the gift of light that makes sight possible. 45. Will you behold your brother? God is glad to have you look on him. He does not will your Savior be unrecognized by you, nor does he will that he remain without the function that he gave to him. Let him no more be lonely. For the lonely ones are those who see no function in the world for them to fill, no place where they are needed, and no aim which only they can perfectly fulfill. Thank you, Sandra. And then Judy. 
Thank you, Lori. 45. Will you behold your brother? God is glad to have you look on him. He does not will your Savior be unrecognized by you, nor does capital He will that he remain without the function that capital He gave to him. Let him no more be lonely, for the lonely ones are those who see no function in the world for them to fill, no place where they are needed, and no aim which only they can perfectly fulfill. 46. Such is the Holy Spirit's kind perception of specialness. His use of what you made to heal instead of harm. To each capital he gives a special function in salvation he alone can fill apart for only him nor is the plan complete until he finds his special function and fulfills the part assigned to him to make himself complete within a world where incompletion rules. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 46 and four, 46 and 47? Forty-six and forty-seven. All right, back to you, Lemoyne. Such is the Holy Spirit's kind perception of specialness. His use of what you made to heal instead of harm. To eat. He gives a special function in salvation he alone can fill, apart for only him. Nor is the plan complete until he finds his special function and fulfills the part assigned to him to make himself complete within a world where incompletion rules. Here, where the laws of God do not prevail in perfect form, can he yet do one perfect thing and make one perfect choice? And by this act of special faithfulness to one perceived as other than himself, he learns the gift was given to himself, and so they must be one. Forgiveness is the only function meaningful in time. It is the means the Holy Spirit uses to translate specialness from sin into salvation. Forgiveness is for all, but when it rests on all, it is complete and every function of this world is completed with it. Then is time no more. Thank you, LeMoyne. And um, Brian. 47. Here, where the laws of God do not prevail in perfect form, can he yet do one perfect thing and make one perfect choice? 
And by this act of special faithfulness to one perceived as other than himself, he learns the gift was given to himself, and so they must be one. Forgiveness is the only function meaningful in time. It is the means the Holy Spirit uses to translate specialness from sin into salvation. Forgiveness is for all, but when it rests on all, it is complete and every function of this world completed with it. Then is time no more. 48. Yet while in time, there is still much to do, and each must do what is allotted him. For on his part does all the plan depend. He has a special part in time, for so he chose. And choosing it, he made it for himself. His wish was not denied, but changed in form to let it serve his brother and himself, and thus become a means to save instead of lose. Salvation is no more than a reminder. This world is not your home. Its laws are not imposed on you. Its values are not yours. And nothing that you think you see in it is really there at all. And this is seen and understood as each one takes his part in, the, in its undoing, as he did in making it. <clears throat> he has the means for either, as he always did. The specialness he chose to hurt himself did God appoint to be the means for his salvation from the very instant that the choice was made. His special sin was made his special grace. His special hate became his special love. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, I might suggest you hold your mic a little bit further from your uh, face, please. Okay. That Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Uh, a little bit further sounds better, yeah. How's that? Let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. Forty-eight. Yet while I'm home, there is so much to do, and each must do what is allotted him. For on his part is all the plan depends. He has a special part in time, for so he he chose, and choosing them. He did it for himself. His wish was not denied, but changed in form to let it serve his brother and himself, and thus become a means to save instead of lose. Salvation is no more than a reminder this world is not your home. Its laws are not imposed on you, its values are not yours. And nothing that you think you see is really there at all. And this is seen and understood as each one takes his part in its undoing as he did in making it. He has the means for either as he always did. Specialness he chose to hurt himself, the God of point to be the moon 
for his salvation from the very instant that they chose his name. His special sin was made his special grace. His special hate became his special love. How's that guy? Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's muscle. Um, maybe just pull pull it and you can try it without the headphones. Let's let someone else read because I don't want to portray that. There's 49 now. I'm going to cut out. Sorry. Okay. All right. We'll continue to work with that, my dear. Um, let's see. Walking by his side. So, I'll wait now. Help me out here, guys. Is it 39 and 40 now, or 40 and 41? Uh, 40 49 and 50 now. Oh, no, it's uh, 49. 49. And it's 49 I was, twice. I was about, okay. Oh, thank you. 49 twice. Sounds good. Yep, there you go. 49 twice. Special love. We've done, did we do 48 twice? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. All righty. Okay. Thanks, guys. So, Karen, uh, if you'd like to do 49, please. 49. The Holy Spirit needs your special function that his may be fulfilled. Think not you lack a special value here. You wanted it, and it is given you. All that you made can serve salvation easily and well. The Son of God can make no choice the Holy Spirit cannot employ on his behalf and not against himself. Only in darkness does your specialness appear to be attacked. In light, you see it as your special function in the plan to save the Son of God from all attack and let him understand that he is safe as he has always been and will remain in time and in eternity alike. This is the function given each of you for one another. Take it gently, then, from one another's hand and let salvation be perfectly fulfilled in both of you. Do this one thing that everything be given you. Thank you, Karen and Harrison. Forty-nine. The Holy Spirit needs your special function that capital H is may be fulfilled. Think not you like a special value here. You wanted it, and it is given you. All that you may can serve salvation easily and well. The Son of God can make no choice. 
the Holy Spirit cannot employ on his behalf and not against himself. Only in darkness does your specialness appear to be attacked. In light, you see it as your special function. In the plan to save the Son of God from all attack and let him understand that he is safe as he has always been and will remain in time and in eternity alive. This is the function given each of you for one another. Take it gently then from one another's hand and let salvation be perfectly fulfilled in both of you. Do this one thing and let everything be given you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, everyone, who their voice this morning to this most beautiful reading. And now, now let's take a really holy pause to look at our lesson today and and let our hearts realize how um, how it is the gift that brings all of this and makes it possible. I'm oh, Brand. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, guys. We are in the second part of the workbook, and this is the last day that we're on the theme, What is the Body? And today we are on Lesson 270, I Will Not Use the Body's Eyes Today. So I shall read some from What is the Body, and then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute practice. What is the body? The body is a fence. The Son of God imagines he has built to separate parts of his self from other parts. It is within this fence he thinks he lives to die as it decays and crumbles. The body will not stay. Yet this he sees as double quote-unquote safety. For the Son of God's impermanence is quote-unquote proof his fences work, and do the task his mind assigns to them. The body is a dream. Like other dreams, it sometimes seems to picture happiness that can quite suddenly revert to fear, where every dream is born. <clears throat> the body is the means by which God's Son returns to sanity. Though it was made to fence him into hell without escape, Yet has the goal of heaven been exchanged for the pursuit of hell. The Son of God extends his hand to reach his brother and to help him walk along the road with him. Now is the body holy. Now it serves to heal the mind that it was made to kill. Your safety lies in truth and not in lies. Love is your safety. Fear does not exist. Identify with love, and you are safe. 
identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find your capital S self. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 270. I will not use the body's eyes today. Father, Christ's vision is your gift to me, and it has power to translate all that the body's eyes behold into the sight of a forgiven world. How glorious and gracious is this world, yet how much more will I perceive in it that sight can give? The world forgiven signifies your son acknowledges his father, lets his dreams be brought to truth, and waits expectantly the one remaining instant more of time, which ends forever as your memory returns to him. And now his will is one with yours. His function now is but your own. And every thought except your own is gone. The quiet of today will bless our hearts, and through them peace will come to everyone. Christ is our eyes today, and through his sight we offer healing to the world through him, the Holy Son whom God created whole, the Holy Son whom God created one. Lesson 270, I will not use the body's eyes today. Five minutes.
Lesson 270, I will not use the body's eyes today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Fran. That was beautiful. So peaceful. Oh, thanks so much. Good morning, it's Karen. I just um, want to jump in. I will not use body size today. I say that with prayer. Say that with prayer. Let me not see through my ego. Let me not see the past. Let me not, my thoughts not be referencing past associations or um, egoic feelings, emotions, not feelings. Feelings, my teacher used to always say the feelings are the higher self. Emotions are the ego. Um, it was suggested <laughs> last night. It was suggested that someone live with, move to Virginia and live with, move into my mother's house. And it triggered my ego mind and my fear because that isn't going to be me. It isn't going to be me. Uh-uh, not doing it. I was the one who wanted to, like, get her all set up in a nice, safe, loving place. But um, I know it's not even realistic because right now I'm not leaving my granddaughter and my daughter. I mean, that's not. But it's also just that egoic fear that this is my job and this is what God would ask of me. And the guilt that comes from the resistance to that idea is just beyond. But um, it's all in the mind. It's just insanity. Madness. The ego mind of madness. I don't want to be controlled by that. I want to walk into, you know, the, the situation this morning in a few minutes very soon just with peace and holiness and light and just be present in that present moment, clear of all the ego mind, madness, insanity, fear, guilt, judgment, all of it. I will not see through the body's eyes today. I will not see and perceive through the falsehood of my ego. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. I'm complete. Amen. Just beautiful, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Graceful prayer. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, this is Sandra, and I just still can't get over. (laughs) The body is the means by which God's Son returns to sanity. Only if I don't use it as a fence, and, and I make the fence as soon as I start judging myself or anybody else. 
I made the fence into hell without escape. Yet, through the grace of God and and this miracle, I can recreate myself and use this body-mind as a return to sanity and make its goal salvation. I am the salvation. I am the resurrection and the life. And it shows me exactly how to do it in the next paragraph. I will believe that I am one with everything when I identify with love. When I identify with love, I'm home. When I identify with love, I find my true self. And love is forgiveness. When I identify with forgiveness, when I use this body-mind for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to forgive myself for buying into this dualistic paradigm that, that made me judge everything. But, I, but God gave me power of decision. God gave me my free will. I don't have to do that if I don't want to. And I don't want to because I've experienced doing that and I was so depressed to the point of death. And I couldn't do it, thank God, for my beautiful children who I love dearly because they were here. And I had to play a role. It was a role then. But now I'm truly being the love that my children need by, by, by setting them free by not making myself very special to them. And uh, and it's um, moving right along in this forgiveness process. But I just, I can't stress enough how important it is for me to forgive myself, all the people in my world, and the whole world. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was just beautiful, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra, that was. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Good morning, it's Lana. I'm out. Oops, is someone else going to speak? Sorry. Okay. Um... I'm on the porch, so it's a beautiful day up here in New Hampshire. Um, uh, I love the idea that, or the truth that um, anything my wacky old mind can make up and believe to be real, the Holy Spirit can use it, take it, and use it for the in service of the atonement, in service of um, healing, and so. You know, when I first read about this special function that I have, <laughs> I thought, I wonder what it is. You know, am I going to miss it? Will I have to come back 20 more times until I discover it? <laughs> but um, that knowing that um, the Holy Spirit will use whatever I, I seem to um, make up in this dream, he'll translate it and bring bring it to love and and have an alchemy occur that transforms it into love. 
So mission is always accomplished. Mission is accomplished. I don't have to be afraid of that or worry about that. I can just, um, I can be me. And uh, for me, that's, um, that's important. Jesus is always telling me, I mean, like every day I get a reminder that in this present moment, I do what brings me peace. And in order to know that, I have to stop, do a sacred pause, and look within me and, and say, what in this moment will bring me peace? It may be something different an hour from now or tomorrow. I might be in a different place in my mind. But in this moment, what will return me to peace? Because um, it's never the story surrounding the fear. It's the fear itself. So in healing the fear, I will heal the story as well. It'll be resolved, whatever it is. And it'll be resolved in a way that brings me peace. And, you know, as I often share, my experience is that a peaceful mind is a very powerful mind. So I have to be authentic to myself because if I'm not in peace, I'm in conflict. And so it's, and it's a mind thing. It's a mental condition, conflict. Um, I can surely, you know, walk around in time and validate that through my story, whatever story is showing up that's seeming to bring conflict making that arise within me. But in this moment, all I want is peace. I want the peace of God. And from that state of mind, I will receive the clarity and the understanding and the certainty about what I need to do or not do. So, um, it's, you know, it's like I can't be reminded enough that first, forgiveness then understanding, then clarity, then certainty comes about, delivers, it's delivered to my mind through my forgiveness. So I'm either in love or I'm in fear. I'm either in conflict or I'm at peace. Um, I just leave the battleground and rise above it with the choice to be authentic to what I'm feeling right here and right now. And if it's not love, it's not peace, you know. And so the healing of my mind in this moment um, becomes paramount to me. Because then I might, an hour from now, I'll look and see, oh, that wasn't such a big thing. Why did I make, why did I give it so much meaning? Or an answer will show up. Um, out of seemingly out of nowhere, it's like the experiences. Oh, why didn't I think of that before? Um, you know, it's it comes comes to me. It's not found in the drama of the story surrounding the fear. It's the fear. So anyhow, I'm babbling on now, but um, I try to be true and honest about where I am in this given moment and looking, checking in on the condition of my mind. And I, and I don't, it doesn't help me to go traveling out into future worries or past regrets. 
because everything that needs to be accomplished um, is accomplished just by asking the simple question, am I at peace? And when I ask that question, it brings me back to the present moment because I have to look within to determine where my mind and heart are resting in the moment. So anyhow, I'll shut up now. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was so great. Thank you so much. Very, very clear. Love that about the fear and the story. You are so right. Thank you. Good morning. This is Jennifer. Um, Can you guys hear me clearly right now? Uh, Right now, pretty good. Oh, amazing. Okay, great. So in 41, um, the last sentence really caught my attention. I'm going to read it. And as you see him, so do you define the function he will have for you until you see him differently. And let him be what God appointed that he be to you. What comes to me, and that's really like a pulling me to really um, pay attention. And uh, what's my relationship with life and others? Uh, I, I just had this great fear that if I really lean into um, uh, having a relationship with another human being, a friend, um, uh, intimate, um, there's a fear there or, or, or a, uh, a job uh, or a task, um, especially if it's a really, seems like a really holy one of really committing full on going in and um, allowing myself because I feel there's a fear um, there that I'm going to be overtaken, I'm going to be just lost. And um, I'll be giving, but I I won't be able to receive. And in this sentence, and as I see him, so do I define the function. So in order to change this belief that as I, the giving to receiving idea, you know, we're here to relate with each other in life. That's the bridge back to heaven, forgiveness is being willing to show up in forgiveness for myself and and everybody else in situations Um, and to forgive myself for having this belief that as I give, I won't be able to receive, so therefore I'm not going to really fully give of myself, my talent, uh, or work through these release, these beliefs. so I just wanted to share that. That's a very um, big deal to look at that belief. And um, oh, I'm, I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, look at that belief. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jennifer.
Hi, guys. Good morning, everyone. I got a little shiver going on today. I don't, I've had it since I got up at 4 o'clock this morning. I just can't stop shaking. <laughs> got some kind of inner quake going on. Um, I used to call it a quickening. I've got a quickening, and um, I feel it coming. And, and it came, and then uh, I'm just sort of shaking in it. I don't know if you can understand that. I don't know that I understand that, but um, this couple of sections in the lesson today really, really speak to me of the difference between perceiving perception from a personal self um, through the eyes of distortion and interpretation of, um, you know, lessons that I learned and taught myself um, coming into the world and thinking I was a body and and um, trying to find myself in the world and how the world would, would, would define me and, and accept me and love me and how I would strive and work to become a certain kind of person in order to be okay, to, to have self-confidence and, and be able to trust myself and, and lead a good life. And, you know, this is what the Course describes as making an image of myself, which I participated in and... Um, you know, I always, I've always known that God was with me, but um, never really truly accepted myself as um, quite good enough yet. I got to try a little harder. I made mistakes, and I felt guilty and ashamed of myself. And all that judgment stuff really came right along with all that making up an image of myself. And um, I think today, with it being the last day, focusing on um, the topic. And thank you, Fran, Fran, for your devotion, daily devotion to helping us share in the lessons. I really honor and appreciate you for that. I love your voice. The, um, the, um, you know, the that this what is the body question is something we've all been considering and thinking about, contemplating how does this relate to what the course is teaching us? And um, you know, the text speaks a bit that um, if I see my brother as a body or my sister as a body um, and forget to, to, to re- if I forget that I need to remember always um, vision is my greatest need and vision is my greatest gift from God to help dispel illusions of distortion that I've made from my learning from the world that it's going to correct the mistaken um, interpretations, judgments that I've made on others simply because I've learned to make them on myself. Um, you know, and stepping back from that and that, thank you, Lana, for your share of this, you know, coming from a place of peace and, you know, this place of peace and, and forgiveness. And um, when I think of forgiveness, I think of it as being still because it steps back. Judy gets stepped back and is quiet and doesn't judge. That's what forgiveness means to me. She simply doesn't judge because she doesn't know. And she she says, you know, it's a brand new day. I've never seen this before. I don't know what's going on here. What's happening? This is a new and wonderful experience today. It's the present being in the presence of the awareness 
of love and um, the difference between that presence, being present, or present in the present awareness of Christ consciousness. I mean, it can add a lot of words to it, but it's a way of being in the world that's totally different than being in the body and perceiving through the eyes of a particular person. And I think this is what the practicing all the lessons has brought to me. But um, giving freedom, the freedom of allowing everyone, everyone to be who they are, this radical acceptance and non-judgment, because that's what radical acceptance means to me. I radically accept what is happening here in the present because I'm not judging it. I'm not fighting it. I'm, I'm not rejecting it. I'm not saying it should be different. I don't. I can, I can like it or not. That's beside the point. But the um, radical acceptance and, and that stepping back and being still and and being quiet and from that stillness and quietness, the grace of God rests gently on my eyes because I'm not judging. There's no need for forgiveness. Um, as the world ordinarily thinks of it, because it doesn't see see evil as such. Or mis- um, I'm starting to babble now, but the um, the text is very clear in um, making the differentiation and discernment between what clarity vision brings to what they look on, and looking through a glass dimly. That word dimness really um, speaks to my heart because I think of myself as being in the dark when I'm being judgmental because I've, 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 I've sunk to the, to the battleground. I love that expression, Lana. Rising above the battleground and, and not seeing sin in anyone, saying, you know what? This is really a misinterpretation a distortion of the truth, the beauty and the truth that we are, that we've always, you know, that kids kids beautifully and truthfully express themselves in joy and that somehow we become afraid of just expressing our love, excitement, enthusiasm for living, just being like little kids and just not having judgments about anything because we're just too dumb to know any better. <laughs> <laughs> so this childlike, childlike innocence is ringing, singing in my heart today. Um, that kind of specialness, the Holy Spirit's kind of specialness, that we're all just so beautifully unique and, 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 and special, but without a need to be. You know, we just know we are. That story that someone shared about, all the kids being special. Maybe it wasn't on the call. Um, do one perfect thing. One last thing I want to say about this. Here the laws of God do not prevail in perfect form in the world because it's we think of ourselves as incomplete within a world where incompletion rules. It's all part and partial, and it's not total, the totality and oneness. And to do one perfect thing and make one perfect choice. And this being faithful to our oneness, 
our unicity in a state of grace that no one can get out of it and no one can be rejected from it and you can't do anything wrong and um, that we're all perfectly innocent. We just cannot be afraid to love one another and not be afraid to express ourselves or share our feelings no matter what they're like because we're all just right here, right now, doing the best that we can. I just love this section. I'm sort of going on too long, so I'll stop here and just be grateful to all of you for being here with me. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Judy. That was that was very special. <laughs> thank you. Lori, I think I, you're on mute. Oh, did I not say how many elements of beauty were in that, Judy? I wanted you to hear that. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. You know, it's, it was one of those shares where I don't remember a single thing I said. <laughs> Judy, oh, mine was, it was in it. <laughs> it was all wonderful. So it's okay if you don't remember. We do. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. This is Sandra again. I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but, you know, I, I, when I came into this world, I never felt like I belonged here. I never felt like I really fit in. And that's because I had a special function. Um, I, and I know that as a child, experiencing what I would call victimization, um, that 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 in itself sort of like made me special. You know? Like I didn't see anybody else experiencing what I was experiencing. So that in itself put me in some kind of corner somewhere or, or some kind of, uh, I don't know, a unique society. But it, what it put me in was a, was a unique society of judgment, <laughs> which wasn't so unique. Because when I started the whole judgmental thing, it was like, oh, but, but it just seemed like, I don't know. <laughs> and this, you know, to use this body-mind for the salvation of the world, it's like, well, of course you don't fit in here. You're here to save the world. You know, it's like the ones that fit in are the ones that sort of have to kind of worry, like, what is what are they fitting into? And we're here to, to actually not even to save this world, to create a whole new world that's based in, in a different in, in, in a different paradigm. You know, the paradigm of oneness, unity, of working together like a team. These are these are novel experiences on this planet. 
Um, and it's just it's to realize that that you know I've always wanted to really be special. Well, I do have a special purpose on this planet: the salvation of the world, the resurrection of this world into a new world. That's pretty special. I'm complete. Boy, that's that's really uh, an awesome awareness, Sandra. Sure. Uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. I could relate to that. <laughs> I wanted to say about this special hate and special love thing. My special hate for myself becomes my special love for others who I can see are hating themselves in the same way that I used to hate myself. And that is really how um, sharing, healing, how we, we, we never heal alone. And, um, you know, the, the 12-step program is perfect, you know, just exponential um, form of, of Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Uh, thank you, Judy. about using the world seeking outside how the ego seeks outside of it outside of the body to find things to complete my sense of self that um, seeking and can never find because by looking outside of myself I'm not looking within which is where everything is God completes me I'm already complete I'm already com- accomplished and that accomplishment is already accomplished in everybody else and that's why we can only see ourselves as we see each other exactly equal and evenly God distributed. You know, it's like God is everywhere and in everything. And that's the perfect holy relationship, seeing that everywhere all the time. Um, that's the perfect, the perfect choice, the perfect, um, what was it? the perfect, do, doing the one perfect thing and making the one perfect choice is to always just see that. I see that I am in everything. That is what I am. Christ consciousness is everywhere. Everything is a holy, blessed idea in the mind of God. It's all one and the same thing. What is the same cannot be different. <laughs> you know, that the, 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 the perfect perfection, our perfection, comes from our oneness in our completion. And the only way to, to know it is by giving it to everyone. And this is how um, it's my judgment on myself. The role I give to everyone and everything is the way that I'm, I'm seeing. It's only one way to see it. The one way, only one way to be it. The only one way to have it. The only one way to know it. Okay, I'm complete.
Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I do so love that uh, one sentence in um, the special function. The wish to see calls down the grace out upon your eyes and brings the gift of light that makes sight possible. And uh, I've quoted often enough, and um, to me, it's a perfect prayer, uh, this wish to see. Every uh, lesson in the first 30 emphasizes the same thing. I would let the door behind this world be opened so that I could see the world that reflects the love of God. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, we talk about ego being a buy-in to the story, its own version of truth. And um, and no one, no one comes here but that he makes one ego for himself and one for everyone else. And it's through these egos we attempt to relate with each other. So that's not um, a, a part we get to skip. I mean, every now and then you run into somebody who, who, uh, by the grace of God, never made an ego. I had a person like that in my life um, from whom I learned much. Um, but here's the thing uh, that I want to most say today. There is a distance between uh, my mind and my heart and we've all heard it said probably that the greatest distance in the world is the distance between one's mind and one heart one's heart um, and I think that's pretty true you know we're told in this work that judgment we can have or vision but never both but never both and when I started to let that sink in, I realized uh, pretty fully that judgment was the cause of all my distress. And about the time I realized that, um, I was running through YouTube and, and uh, I was blessed with a picture of a little autistic boy. And you know, we all know autism is a is a failure at relationship for some reason that's not well understood. But here's this little autistic boy praying with his entire body, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I may see. And did you notice in today's lesson 
um, there's only 101 cases in A Course in Miracles of the use of the word heart. And it's a really worthy search um, to have a look at uh, the gifts contained in a lot of those quotes. But in today's lesson, the word heart shows up. The quiet of today will bless our hearts. Will bless our hearts. And through them, through them, peace will come. Through my heart, peace will come. Quiet of today will bless my heart. And why is today quiet, you might ask. And uh, that leads me straight to pointing out the extreme value of inquiry as a method of understanding. Um, I've never understood any of this Course in Miracles alone. It's not understandable to the ego in the same way uh, that a very simple gesture of forgiveness is not understandable to the ego. And if I think that forgiveness is something I can do on my own, I'm sadly mistaken. Uh, because it's the ego's uh, situation to make error real. And once I make it real, uh, I'm caught in my own mind trap. So um, I'm back to judgment or vision can I have, but never both. And if you look closely at review lessons uh, 51 through 57, um, you'll you'll get the distinct impression that um, if I give up attack thoughts, <laughs> I'll find my escape. And what is an attack thought but a judgment, you know? But here in this work, we're told very simply, forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. Judgment or vision, but never both. That's why the quote, the wish to see calls down the grace of God upon your eyes and brings the gift, the gift of sight that makes sight possible, the gift of light that makes sight possible. Um, it's a gift. It's a pure gift. And, and it's the gift that, um, here, here, here's a really good quote. You always choose, you always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. You always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. Christ is very silent, we're told. He saw you were incomplete, and so he reaches for your completion through everything he loves and would have one with you. He saw you were incomplete, and so he holds out completion to you from everything that lives. Um, vision is his gift. And, and the beauty of it, the beauty of accepting atonement for myself in uh, that holy instant where grace is revealed to me, 
is the recognition that God never, ever, ever condemned. And so God does not forgive. It requires condemnation first to um, to have a need for forgiveness. But if God never condemned me, but I condemn myself, then that condemnation will spread and darken everything I see. I think you touched on that, Jennifer. And um, and so I need a different way of seeing. That's why the distance between my mind and my heart is so great. But when I accept forgiveness for myself, I have a recognition in my heart, a direct experience, if you will, a direct experience that in all the universe as God's created it, He has called to me. He knows me. He recognized me. He called me out of this dream. And when I recognized that call of love from my father, it lights my mind because of the light in my heart. And that's how forgiveness um, translates this world of hatred and fear into love. Because, how does he say, uh, the lamps of God are not there for you to choose where you're going to see. All the lamps are, written, are lit by the same source. That's what he means when he says, you thought you wanted specialness. But that's not what you wanted at all. You wanted your special function, that place in the tapestry of God's mind, that place where from it you reach out to weave a frame of holiness. That's what you wanted to be true. That's what your heart desires. But the fear in your mind uh, kept you blind to that. When I accept forgiveness for myself, this gift, this gift, it's a pure gift of truth uh, that lights my mind from the fire in the heart, you see? And, uh, and that's where forgiveness comes from. It's the natural response. It's the natural response that's embedded in the heart for truth. But here's this yammering little thing going on in my head all the time saying, no, this, not that, not that, like this, not that. You know, Eco Mind works exactly like Facebook, if you ever think about it. You read something, thumb up, thumb down. You know, that's how Eco Mind works. But that's not what I want. Why? Because it keeps me blind to this love fire that's already burning. You know, he says, he says, you could deal even with your wish to kill God's son if you could find him, if you did not believe that it saves you from love. Body is a fence to keep love out. Um, you do not believe it saves you from love. For beneath your desire to kill this yammering little business in the head is your intense and burning love for God and his for you. We're programmed to that. You know, we, we come pre-programmed 
uh, to hear that call. And how does how does our Father keep that call alive? He keeps it alive by giving us to each other. You see, every brother is God's gift to me, not for himself alone or from his body, but for the recognition that he's already part of me. He's already part of your heart, you see? We, that's the depth to which we belong to each other. <clears throat> I'm going to get emotional here, but um, the greatest miracle of all in the whole wide world is to realize the depth to which we are a whole in complete belongingness to each other. Christ's vision is that gift of God that allows unity to break through, you know. And if I'm one with you, I can't be afraid of you because you're myself. If I'm one with you, I can't hurt you because it would hurt myself. If I'm one with you, I can't judge you because I would judge myself. If I'm one with you, I must love you because I love myself. That's the depth to which we belong to each other. And every every bit of misunderstanding was that little teeny tiny fragment of mind in the head that said, not that, <laughs> not that, not that, like this, not that. You know, it's, it's conditioning is what it is. Uh, conditioning born out of fear because I remember, uh, you know, this is just a personal reflection, but um, I remember the first time I was aware of this war in myself. Um, I was riding home from school on my bike down the hill, going really fast, and at the bottom of the hill was this little boy named Paul. And when I got to the bottom of the hill, for some unknown reason to me, he punched me in the nose. <laughs> and like every little kid, you know, you have this terrible fear of blood. So I go home, and by the time I got from that corner three blocks to my house, I had a whole story of what that was. And the story was so elaborate <laughs> that my dad took me by the arm and we marched right up to Paul's house and my dad gave his dad a scolding. And somehow I felt justified by that. <laughs> you know. And and so um this is what fear does. It it makes somebody else the enemy or some other situation the enemy or some other person the enemy or or uh, whatever, and that war is set up in myself, the war between my mind and heart, the war between my mind and heart, and the atonement is the healing of that, so that I no longer need to see myself at war, and if I don't see myself at war, I've allowed Christ's vision to heal me through accepting the atonement. And he said it very clearly. Once my mind is healed, I can only heal. Once my mind is healed, I can only forgive. Why? Because there's no longer that war in my in myself between my mind and heart. My natural inclination to love and join 
and this little bit of business going on in my mind saying, like this, don't like that, like this, don't like that. And I can learn. I can learn by paying close attention to my thoughts where this war is, you see. And when I can see that war in my own mind, I can let it go and I no longer need to carry on a war within the world. I can allow my natural inclination uh, to embrace and hold and join with uh, the truth of my life. So open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I may see this holy creation in the unity where there are no broken lines across the sand of the globe. You know, all of that was just a consequence of the war between my mind and heart. And when I let go of that war in my mind, my heart's free to love. And uh, I think I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. That was great. Thank you. Oh, that was wonderful, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thanks, Lori. This is Sandra, and I just wanted to say something really quickly. As I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, if I identify, this is this is considered a trauma planet. I've I've heard it uh, referred to as that. So if I identify with my experience of trauma. I create more trauma. Innocently, I didn't realize it, but when I identify with my experience of trauma, I create more trauma, whether it's within myself or I extend it outward. If I identify with forgiveness, there's no such thing as trauma. I'm complete. Oh, beautiful, Sandra. Thank you so much. You know, we have to end this recording somewhere, um, and yet I recognize there are many voices we haven't heard yet this morning. But just for the sake of ending this recording, um, because I've heard so much about love this morning, I want to turn back to Chapter 12 in Section 5, The Two Emotions. Um, Speaking of this gift of vision, do not seek vision through your eyes. For you made your way of seeing that you might see in darkness. And in this you are deceived. Beyond the darkness, yet still within you, is the vision of Christ who looks on all in light. Your vision comes from fear, as his from love. And he sees for you. All I need to do is ask, he sees for you, as your witness to the real world. He is the Holy Spirit's manifestation, looking always on the real world and calling forth its witnesses and drawing them unto you. He draws draws us to each other, for he loves what he sees within you, and he would extend it. And he will not return unto the Father until he has extended your perception, even unto him, and their perception is no more. For he has returned you to the Father with him. You have but two emotions. One you made and one was given you. 
Each is a way of seeing and different worlds arise from their different visions. See through the vision that is given you. For through Christ's vision he beholds himself and seeing what he is he knows his Father. Beyond your darkest dreams he sees God's guiltless Son within you. Shining in perfect radiance which is undreamed, undimmed by your dreams. And this you will see as you look with him, for his vision is his gift of love to you, given him of the Father for you. I will not use the body's eyes today. Amen. Thank you all. What a beautiful, beautiful call. So grateful. Thanks, everyone.